Good morning. Nice to see the sunshine, isn't it? 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter, if you want to turn over there. That's where we would take a look at, excuse me, looking at this morning. Actually, we'll look all the way from chapter 27, uh, all the way through chapter 30, as we um, get into the latter part of the book of Samuel. That's what we've been studying on Wednesday evenings. And yes, as Cameron pointed out, We'll be getting to uh, chapter 29 this week, and uh, also chapter 30 also. And so I wanted to um, touch on this lesson from 1 Samuel 30 as we get towards the end of 1 Samuel before we start 2 Samuel. Title of our lesson to Ziklag and back, and that's based on 1 Samuel chapter 30 verses 1 through 8. Key verse in those that section there. I believe would be verse 6, and we'll take a look at that in just a moment. But in that verse, we will see that there's some people, David's own people, that want to stone him at that time. But then it goes on to say that David strengthens himself in the Lord, which is an interesting statement based upon what's taking place at that particular time in those circumstances in David's life and so forth. Three points. David leaves home, the road that led him away from home, and then Ziklag and the road back home. David leaves home. I want to say this before we get right to chapter 27 and verse 1. There's a real contrast that is stated in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6. Here you have David's men and those who had followed him and they're wanting to stone him. And then in the latter part of that same verse, David strengthened himself in the Lord. What a contrast. Those who want to kill him, David's like, wait a minute, I need some strength here. I need some help. And we'll see why that statement is placed there in in verse 6. As we come to 1 Samuel chapter 30, I'll just tell you quickly as we get into this so you kind of know the setting. David and his men are returning back to Ziklag. That's the name of the city that they that David and his men and their families have been living in for a little over a year. And we'll notice that too from 1 Samuel chapter 27. But as they return and they approach the city, it's been burned. And their families have been kidnapped. And of all the people that have carried out this raid, I think it's extremely interesting. It's the Amalekites. It's those pesty Amalekites. And there they are again. But the question that we got to kind of get in our mind as we start to take a look at this whole lesson is just very simply this. Ziklag, I want to point out, is in the land of the Philistines. And David has been living there for over a year with his men and with his families, and they've all moved there. And so we got to ask ourselves, here's David, future king of Israel, and what in the world is he doing in Ziklag? And so that's kind of the focal point. And chapter 30 and verse 6 is really an interesting when you come to understand that whole kind of scenario. 
So 1 Samuel chapter 27 and verse 1 is where I want to begin. And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me to seek me any more in any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. Those words spoken by David there at that time are the words of a disheartened, disheartened, <laughs> discouraged man. Just prior to this, if you back up in 1 Samuel, David and one of his men has gone to the camp of Saul and his men, and they have stolen the spear from Saul and the jug of water from Saul, and then they've gone off to a vantage point and they've hollered back. Abner, the commander of Saul's army. Hey, look what we got. We could have killed the king. But this is another one of those occasions where David has once again spared Saul, even though Saul is chasing him to kill him. And this has been going on for a long time. And David has spared his life before. Until finally on this occasion, 1 Samuel 27 and verse 1, David is saying, he's never going to give up. (laughs) One of these days, I'm going to perish by his hand. He's going to keep chasing me. Till he kills me. So there's nothing better for me to do than to escape and go live among the Philistines. I want you to stop and think about that for just a moment. This is David. This is that same young shepherd boy. This is that one that went out when Israel was battling against the Philistines and there was this giant of a man that was coming out to taunt them every morning. This is David who killed Goliath. This is David that played the harp for Saul. This is David who fought for Saul, who fought for Israel, who defeated many of Israel's enemies to the point where the women were coming out and singing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. This is David, a man after God's own heart. This is David who has already been anointed to be the next king of Israel. But he's frustrated. And he's discouraged. And Saul won't quit chasing him. And he says, I know that one of these days he's going to kill me. Best thing for me to do is to leave Israel where the God of heaven is worshipped 
and I will go live among those pagan worshiping, idol worshiping Philistines. <laughs> That's the best thing for me to do. Has God provided for David in the past? Sure has. Has God protected David in the past? Sure has. What would God have David to do? Stay. <laughs> but what does David decide to do? I'm leaving. Now I want you to stop and think about that for just a moment. There's spiritual thinking. And then there's human thinking. David's human, fleshly side just took over. You know what the best thing for me to do is? The one who has been anointed as next king of Israel, you know what the best thing for me to do is? Go live with the Philistines. <laughs> the God who has provided for me, the God who has protected me all of these years, I don't trust Him anymore. It's David that's now watching out for David. Move over, God. I'm hopping in the driver's seat. I'm going to go live among the enemy. That's the best thing for me to do. And so he'll head to the land of the Philistines. And then he'll move into Ziklag. So here's the question. Have you ever been to Ziklag? Think about it. Have you ever been to Ziklag? Have you ever visited Ziklag? Have you ever known somebody who has visited or lived in Ziklag? You know what Ziklag is? Ziklag is that place where you get away from God. Ziklag is that place where you get away from God's people. Ziklag is that place where you've decided to escape to. Where I can be in control. A place where spiritual thoughts and God's way and His Word are not really controlling me. My human logic and my human reasoning have just taken over. Now I'll ask you again. You ever been to Ziklag? First Samuel 27 and verse 1. Those are really words that give us insight to David's heart at that time. Let me tell you this. Because as you look at the events that take place in 1 Samuel, and a little bit later we're going to be told that David's 30 years old when he comes to the throne. And in 1 Samuel 17... <clears throat> 
where David goes out and Israel is battling the Philistines and, and Goliath is coming out tormenting them. David is at home tending to the sheep, but his older brothers have gone off with Israel to fight in the war. Why is it that his brothers went, but David stayed home? Because generally speaking, those who went off to war were 20 years old and up. So we deduce David must have been under 20. (laughs) But then later, and we'll be told in the next book, that David is 30 when he comes to the throne. And so you can kind of start to figure out the events. And how old David must have been at this time. And how long this chasing has taken place. 1 Samuel 27 and verse 1. It's probably close to eight years. Saul has been chasing David. You ever had a problem for eight years consistently? And do you think sometimes that when people have had a chronic ongoing problem, that at some point they become weary of that problem? You know, we say Ziklag. And David left because he was trying to get away from Saul. His enemy. But we have lots of enemies. Don't we? You ever had somebody that you know maybe have struggled for whatever reason with financial problems for a long time? And it just wears on them. It's an enemy to their soul. You ever know somebody that's had health problems for a long time? And it just wears on them. And it's an enemy to their soul. You ever known somebody that's been in relationship problems and they just really struggle for a long time? And it's an enemy to their soul. So David is trying to get away from his enemy. That which is a burden, a troublesome To his soul. And he comes to that point where he says. I'll deal with it. (laughs) I'm tired of praying to God about it. I'm tired of waiting on God to do something about it. I know what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to do. But you have to bear with David a little bit. (laughs) This has been going on for a long time. And so in that moment, 1 Samuel 27 and verse 1, David makes a tragic mistake. He lets his own human logic take over. I will leave God. I will leave his people. I will leave his land. And I will go live among the Philistines. Big mistake. David's discouraged. 
And that's what leads him there. So let me give you this illustration. So the story is told that the devil was having a garage sale. Okay? And so inside of his garage, he had all of his tools hanging up on the wall and displayed. And he had a price tag attached to each one of them. And they were all there. Oh, there was hatred and envy and jealousy and gossip and lying and deceit and lust. They were all there. They all had a price tag. And lo and behold, a potential buyer happened to stroll by and came in and he's looking around. And he's noticing all these tools that the devil has. But he noticed there's one. And the price tag on it is much higher than all the others. And so out of curiosity, he stops and he asks the devil, he said, what is that tool And why is that tool priced so much higher than all the others? And the devil said, because that one is one of my most valuable tools. Let me tell you this. When I can't manage to get into a person's heart by using any of those other tools, I'll use that one and I'll get in. A lot of people that you don't think will ever break I can break them with that tool. He said, what is that tool? He said, it's discouragement. I'll get them. I'll break them. We've all experienced discouragement. At some time or another, to one degree or another, the giants from the Old Testament, the giants from the New Testament. In Second Corinthians, the first chapter, in about verse eight, Paul said, "We were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life." You know what Paul's saying? We were that close. To quitting. To giving up. That's where David is. First Samuel the 27th chapter. He says, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. You know what that's saying? That enemy that dogs me, that dogs my soul, It's never going away. I'll never be delivered from this. And so David's discouraged. But what I want to suggest is sometimes it can be circumstances, situations, people, things that are beyond our control. And it can bring us to that point of despair and discouragement. That's 1 Samuel 27 and verse 1. But now I want to fast forward from chapter 27 to chapter 30. (sighs) 
if things happen, circumstances, situations, people, whatever it is, can cause real discouragement in life. But you want to know what I think one of the greatest discouragements can be? I think one of the greatest discouragements that can ever be is when we come to realize a good part of our problems were caused by me. Have you ever heard anybody say, oh, if I had it to do over again? I wouldn't do it that way. Or to say, I wished I had done it differently. Because there can be that moment in time, there can be that place that we finally come to and we see the consequences of our own sins. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6 is that moment for David. They have returned to Ziklag. David and all of his men. And now his men, those men who have followed him, those men who left Israel with him and came to the land of the Philistines, those men who brought their families to Ziklag, now look at David and say, we we followed you here. This was your choice. And we followed you. And now, we want to stone you. (laughs) And David was. He was the one who chose to lead them there. And now they're all engulfed in these problems. How do you think David felt at that moment? the town that we've been living in, that I asked for, has been raided by the Amalekites and has been burned. The wives we love, the kids we love, the home that we've established here is gone. And I brought you all here. That was my choice. And not only is he being rejected by those who were closest to him, just prior to this, he had told the Philistines, I'll go out and fight with you. And in chapter 29, you know what happened? They sent him and his men home. But when they got home, it was on fire. And their families are gone. And so there's David in that moment 
And in chapter 27, it says that they've lived there for a year and four months. So the decision he made in chapter 27, and he went to the land of the Philistines, and he lived in Ziklag, and he brought them, and he brought their men, and he brought their families, brought all them there. And now he's watching. (laughs) And it's all going up in smoke. Everything that he had turned away from and now he had turned to because out of his own human reasoning is burning and it's gone. That's where David is in chapter 30 and verse 6. They want to stone him. And it says David sought strength in the Lord. That road that led David away, I want you to think about this for just a moment. You remember Luke, the 15th chapter in the story of the prodigal son? He was at home. He was with his father. And one day, human logic said, I could do better on my own. Just give me what's mine and let me go. And the father allowed him to go. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Says, lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. Acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He'll direct your paths. What had David decided to do? Not Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. What had the prodigal son decided to do? Not Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. They both decided the same thing. I need to be in the driver's seat of my life and let me run things. You know what the problem with that is? One of the problems with that is that sometimes you can make those decisions and here's what's dangerous. That at first, sometimes it can look like that was a really good idea. Luke, the 15th chapter in verse 13, the son goes away into a far country and there he spent all of his possessions, all that he had on riotous living. What's that saying? Whoop, whoop. Let the party begin. <laughs> and that is, whatever he's got, I'm now away from dad, I'm away from my father, and I'm away from all those rules, and I'm out here where I'm the one that's in control, and it's party hardy. Till the money runs out. And David, 1 Samuel 27 and verse 4, you know what it says? The Saul heard that David had gone And he pursued him no more. 
So you know what David's saying? I made a good choice, didn't I? My enemy is no longer chasing me. And I'm out here where it's all good. Let me tell you this. Satan brought David to the point of discouragement. And then he got to that point and he relied on self. And he made a decision to leave God, leave God's people, leave God's land, and go live among the enemies. And Satan's gone. See that discouragement tool? That works good. I got it. So once Satan's got you, he's no longer chasing you. He's no longer pursuing you. You want to know why? Because he's got you. And once he's got you, you want to know what his next step is? Now that you've come to live with me, I want you to feel comfortable. I want you to like it here. So you know what David does? He asks a ruler, a leader, Achish of the Philistines. I don't want to dwell in the city with you. I'd like to have a place of my own. And you know what Achish says? Good idea. You can live among us and we'll give you a nice, comfortable place to live. Settle in, David. You're with us now. And that's what Satan says. Now that you're here, I want you to be comfortable. 1 Samuel chapters 27 and verse 6 and 7. So Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months, and we're going to come back to that in a little while. David's moved into Ziklag. One year, four months. Now let me tell you something about Ziklag. Scholars, those who study these words, suggest that this word comes from actually two root words. And it denotes the pressing of someone mentally, emotionally in order to bring out what's kept inside. It suggests pressure to bring forth what is contained internally. If enough pressure is put on you, it'll be exposed what's inside. You remember the disciples in that boat with Jesus out on the Sea of Galilee? And they came and they said, Master, we perish. And what did Jesus say to him? Oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> Pressure was put on what came out. That's Ziklag. Pressure 
That's what the word means. To expose what is contained internally. God allows pressure. And God allowed pressure on David to find out what's inside. David, you ran to the Philistines, to Ziklag, to get away from God, to get away from Saul. But is that really where you want to be? So Ziklag was a geographical location. But it also represents a spiritual place. And it represents a spiritual place in our relationship and our walk with God. So I ask you again. You ever been to Ziklag? Have you ever been at that place in your life, in your relationship with God, where you decide, I'm tired of praying about this. I'm tired of waiting on God. I'm just going to take hope. Pressure to reveal what's inside. Circumstances. Situations are looking dire. And in that moment, do we revert to our own devices or do we seek refuge in God from the storm? Do we stay with Him? Even when things around us look bleak. God allows pressure. And pressure can actually be beneficial. I want to read to you from the book of James. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Then I want us to notice verse, verse 5 and 6. Because in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, James says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith Produces patience and let patience have its perfect result that you might be made complete, lacking in nothing. Pressure can help to develop you, to mold you, to shape you. Reveal what's inside. Verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. What did James just talk about in verses 2 through 4? Count it all joy when you encounter those various trials. Verse 5. But in if you lack wisdom, when do you lack wisdom? In the midst of those trials. Lord, help me. What should I do? But when you pray, don't you ever doubt. <laughs> don't you ever doubt that God will answer you. Now, He may not answer at the exact moment that you want Him to answer. 
Because he's going to answer on his time frame, not yours. But don't you doubt that he will answer. Because if you doubt, you're like, he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You see that? In the midst of trials, turmoil, troubles. Ask God for wisdom. Which way should I go? Don't you doubt he will answer. Because if you doubt, you'll become unstable. Have you ever seen anybody like that? <laughs> Have you ever been like that? <laughs> oh God, I want you to deliver me. <laughs> he didn't deliver me as fast as I should have, so now I'm uncertain. John 16 and verse 33, Jesus said, In this world you will have troubles, but in me you will have peace. What's he saying? Trouble's going to come. You stay with me. Sometimes what we've got to remember, and this is a principle that's taught throughout Scripture. Sometimes God delivers from the fire. Sometimes He delivers through the fire. But He always delivers. Let me give you two quick examples from the Scriptures. One from the Old Testament, one from the New. Do you remember Daniel, the third chapter? King Nebuchadnezzar? And so King Nebuchadnezzar decides that it's a good idea to erect this gold monument. This idol. And he says that at the sound of the trumpet, everybody should fall down and worship. But there's a problem. And you know what the problem is? There's these three Hebrew children, <laughs> young men. And they won't fall down and worship that idol. And Nebuchadnezzar has said that anybody who will not fall down and worship his idol, that they should be cast into the fiery furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse. And so that leads to a confrontation. And in essence, what Nebuchadnezzar says to them is, uh, you sure you don't want to think about this? <laughs> and you know what they say? We don't need to think about it. Our God, He's able to deliver. And whether He chooses to deliver, let it be known, O King, we don't worship your idol. So it's up to God. And so Nebuchadnezzar said, throw him in. So they threw him in. But then shortly after that, Nebuchadnezzar goes to look and he says, wait a minute, I thought we threw three in there and there's four. And one of them looks like the Son of God. And Nebuchadnezzar says, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out of there. 
And they came out, and their clothes were not singed. Neither did they even have the smell of smoke. God delivered from the fire. Second Timothy, the fourth chapter. The Apostle Paul is sitting in the Mamertine prison. He knows that his time is about up. He said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I'm going to die here. But you know what he says following that? But henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And not for me only. But for all those who have loved his appearing. I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. The Apostle Paul was put to death. But he was delivered, wasn't he? That's the point. That's what James is saying. That when you pray, don't you ever doubt that God will deliver. It's just up to him to decide how he's going to deliver and when he is going to deliver. 1 Samuel, the 27th chapter. David at that moment did not ask God what he should do. He did not seek wisdom. David decided on his own This is what I'm going to do. And he went. And he took his men. And they took their families. And he took his family. And they went and lived among the enemy, among the Philistines. And in 1 Samuel 27 and verse 7, it says he dwelt there for one year and four months. 1 Samuel 29, very quickly. The Philistines... Assemble for war against Israel. And in Aphek, which is like half the distance up to where the battle is going to take place, it says that they reviewed, they walked by in troops. You know what that means? Here comes the Philistines. Here's our archers. Here's the men with spears. Here's those with chariots. And there's like this review. And at the back end of it, who is it? It's Achish and his division. And David is with them. And the other Philistine commanders look at them and go, Whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> We're getting ready to go fight the Philistines and you got David and his men. We don't want an Israelite fighting with the Philistines against the Israelites. He's liable to turn on us. So they reject him. And now they're headed back to Ziklag. (laughs) They've been rejected by the Philistines. Three days journey, we're told, it takes to get back. And as they approach the city, it's on fire. And their families are gone. And it says they wept till they could not weep anymore. And then in verse 6, and those who were with David, Wanted to stone him, put him to death. 
the Amalekites. Isn't that funny? Not funny. Isn't that coincidental? David tried to run from Saul because Saul was his enemy. Saul had been told to utterly destroy the Amalekites, but he didn't quite carry that out. And so the Amalekites must have heard, hey, the Philistines and Israel are going to war. They're kind of tied up right now. Wouldn't this be a good time to go on some raids? Sounds good to me. Let's hit Ziklag. And they did. You know what the point of that is? David thought he was running from his enemy. Let me tell you this. God's people, you got more than one enemy. Satan's got more than one tool that he's after you with. So you run from Saul. And then the Amalekites show up. Where are you going to run now, David? I got no place to run. Ziklag. Pressure applied to see what's inside. 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6. And David strengthened himself in the Lord. When David realized, I got no place else to run. And my own reasoning has just led to more problems. Then he strengthened himself in the Lord. You know what that is? That's that same moment from the prodigal son where it says, and he came to himself and he got up and he said, I will go home. I'll go back to my father and I will tell him I have sinned before heaven and in your sight. 1 Samuel in verse 30 and verse 6. That's David. He strengthened himself in the Lord. Let me get back there and read verse 7 and 8. 1 Samuel 30. Verse 7. Then, then, David said to Abathar the priest, Abimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Now David inquires of the Lord. Now the Lord tells him, this is what you're supposed to do. And now David will recover all. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. So when David turns back to God, God's ready to deliver him. Now I'm going to finish with this thought. Think about that whole story. 
And think about 1 Samuel, the 27th chapter, and verse 7. And it says, David dwelt there for one year and four months. We're going to look at chapter 29 this week and chapter 30. You know what's going to happen right after this? Saul's going to die. David's going to return to Israel. And God's going to tell him to come to Hebron. Why? David's your king. Your king. King over Israel. You'll no longer live on the run, David. You'll no longer live out in the open. You'll no longer live in caves. You're king. You'll have power. You'll have riches. You'll have it all. One year and four months earlier, David was ready to throw it all away. He was that close to being king. And he said, I shall leave Israel and I shall go live among the Philistines. You think God was gracious to David? You think God ever saves us from ourselves? That's the story. He was one year and four months away from being king. God was going to deliver him. He was going to deliver him on his time. And we need to remember that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And he will direct your paths. I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If we can help you in any way making your relationship right with the Lord, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.